0: Guys, we live in the privilege of God's work in each of our lives. I want to open that up this morning. We're starting a brand new series. I wanted to do this series on families. I wanted to talk about families. We're calling it Family Matters. As a matter of fact, over the course of the next week, we're going to talk about some different things, about how to raise our kids and and even our families, and even as moms and dads the prodigal coming home. But today, here's what I want to talk about. As a matter of fact, it's too much for today, so I'm going to take this week and next week and do it. There are five things that I want to talk about. We're just going to look at two of them this morning, five biblical principles that you and I can use in the heart and in the lives of our kids to To shape our kids. Our our, our topic this morning and even next week is shaping our kids. What what does that mean? That means as our kids grow up, how can we, as moms and dads, as how can we, and even our nieces and nephews, how can we bring out the best in our kids? And listen, if you're thinking, well, I don't have any kids, and I I know some of you guys are thinking, and some of us who are older are thinking, if I don't have any kids, let me, here's a little secret. The little secret is these are five principles that you can not only use in your life with your kids you can use them with other people in your circle other people in your life they will not just work on our kids they will also work on the other people in our lives and I just want to I want to open this up and look at this how how do we how do we shape our kids how do we bring out the best in our kids how do we bring out the best in those around us. About 30 years ago, a, a book came out that the title of the book was Parenting is Not for Cowards. It is so true. Parent, you If you're going to be a parent and you're going to be effective, you need to have courage, you need to have tenacity, you need to have persistence, you need to have selflessness, and you need to have a very deep love. Because there's nothing else, no job that you're going to do in life is going to matter as much. No job that you do in life is going to be as demanding and as challenging as being a parent. Because re- in reality, you're, you're responsible for raising another human being. And those of us, we started out in life, you know, in marriage young, and we were raising our kids. And for us, it's like four kids. I twin daughters that are now 38 years old, and one of them has their own kids, the three grandkids. We and so, so that was like forever ago, right, just raising Trisha and Tiffany, and then Wesley and Julia. And now we're kind of at the end of that. So as parents, when you get to the place where you think you're fairly good at it, you're out of a job. You're done. You, so you, it's taken all these years to learn. If I were to do a series on the things I did wrong raising my kids, it'd be a nine-month series. It'd take me nine months to go through all the things that I did wrong. And so just stopping and looking at God's Word, and, and even in these next two weeks, how to shape our kids. How, how do we bring out the best in our kids? Because the reality is in our day and in our culture, there's pressure on the family. There's pressure from within the family. There's pressure from outside the family. Our culture is trying to totally change what God's design for the family was. And a Camelback, families are a big deal to us. Young families with kids—that's our main target in the community. That's that's when we're—if we're firing an arrow at a target, that's the one we want to hit. And and yet our doors are our families. You know, there are singles here this morning. They're married. The whole, whole all in different areas of this campus, and, and there are, there are people in different places in life. We together are in this process of following Christ, of allowing Him to change us into what he wants us to be. So as parents, I kind of want us to think in terms of this. Between birth and, and graduation, there's about a 1,000 weeks. There's about a 1,000 weeks in the life of, of our kids that we go through, this whole process of, of getting them there. And everyone, listen, everyone needs kids in their lives. We all need kids kids in our lives. There have have been studies done about this. And the reality is, if you don't have kids in your life, you're going to get older faster. As a matter of fact, you're going to develop hardening of the attitudes if you don't have kids in your life. Kids 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 are what God, one of the things, we think we grow kids and we do, but kids also grow us. Kids are a tool that God uses to pull selfishness out of our lives. Kids are a big deal. We've got nieces in our lives and nephews in our lives. And if, you, if your circle of, of, of friendship is, is just people your age, then, then you're in a boring group. We need kids in our lives. Our kids, nieces and nephews, grandkids, kids at Camelback, listen, listen, if you're my age, you, you need to serve once a month in children's ministries in an area because it is going to change who you are. I want to look at these five principles. If you're taking notes this morning, we're only going to look at two this morning. It's all I have time for. Two, and we'll do the, the next three next week. The first one is you accept their uniqueness. The first thing that you and I need to do with our kids is accept their uniqueness. Listen, you need someone that does this for you. We need people in our lives that accept us for our weaknesses, our uniquenesses rather. And, and the reality is with our kids, we need to accept their uniqueness. Do you know why? Because every child is different. God is makes us all different. There's a reason He intentionally gave us all individual fingerprints, individual eye prints, our voice print, every every area about us. Our DNA is specific to us. Even identical twins are different in thousands of ways. God is so intentional about diversity. We, we grow up in our subcultures. We, we grow up in, 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 in our Italian culture, or, or we grow up in our Mexican culture, or we grow up in our, our Eastern European culture. And, and we think that that's the group. And the reality is God loves variety. He intentionally created so much variety. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, I want to look at that passage of Scripture because Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and look what he says. He says, we are God's workmanship. When you go back to the original language, it doesn't use the word workmanship. As a matter of fact, in the original language, he talks about masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. The great artist, the great creator, the artisan of all times, intentionally, intentionally, is working on each one of us as a separate masterpiece. Your life is on the canvas, and God himself is working out all the details. Gives you you just a little bit of a window into how much he values you. Look what he says. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Not to get our salvation, but because of our salvation. Because by grace we've been given this gift of salvation. And he has things for us to do, which he prepared for us in advance. If we were all the same, listen, if we were all the same, not much would get done. Because we'd all be the same, and we'd all be doing just the same thing. God created diversity. We are all so different. We all do different things. 1 Corinthians 12, 6, God works through different people in different ways. We are all individually unique. And when you and I, moms and dads, grandparents, as we look at the uncles and aunts, as we look at our kids, we need to accept their uniqueness. I can remember Dad saying to me, you know what? I treat all my kids the same. There's a word for that. Stupid. Because we're all different. What you do with one kid to build that kid up, if you were to do that to to another kid, it would actually tear them down. Our kids are unique. As moms and dads, we just need to recognize that. I grew up I've shared this a couple times with you. I grew up following my sister who was nine months older than me. Mm Mm-hmm. We let my parents have that every year at our birthdays. She was nine months older than me, and and I followed her all through elementary school and all through high school. And teacher after teacher would say to me, now, of course, they they, they had reason to say it, but They would say to me, you ought to be more like your sister. You should be. Every report card I got. Here's one phrase that I always, my parents always saw on my report cards. James needs to apply himself more. How how many of you had that on your report card? They could see me now. James needs to apply himself more. But over and over again, the teachers would say to me, Right after the whole class, you should be more like your sister. And in high school, it actually there was one class that it paid off for me. There was an English Mr. Fabidi was an English teacher. It was a it was a bit of a wacko, but <laughs> he he was an English teacher. He, he 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 absolutely loved my sister Lois. And I hate to say this in front of my kids, but. I cut that class probably about 40 or 50 times over the course of that year. And Mr. Fabidi loved my sister Lois so much he gave me a C. One year it paid off. Other than that, it was you need to be more like your sister. You know, we we need to accept over the course of this series, we're going to talk about discipline and, 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 and doing things right. But, but the reality is, moms and dads, our, our kids are unique. We have got to recognize that. And there are two enemies of uniqueness. There are two things that, that foil this whole thing in our lives. And I want, I want us to write them down. The first one is comparing. Comparing. When we, when we compare, and our culture does this in a huge way. You get on Facebook or Instagram, and, and you post the dessert that you're eating. Then what I have to do is I have to go find my favorite dessert that's better than your dessert, and then I post that on Instagram. Because that's the way that our, that our culture goes. And we, and we do this with our appearances. We do it with athletics. We, we do it with money, with, with wealth. We do it with status we 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 do it with with prosperity we do it with popularity we our culture does this in all different areas the question is what does god have to say about this and look what he says in second corinthians 10 he says we do not dare compare ourselves and then paul goes on to talk about the fact that it is foolish it's foolish to compare our kid to somebody else 's kid or, or, or our, our first and our, and our third and, and we treat our kids differently, even even in the process of parenting. Our first baby they, 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 when the, when the pacifier falls to the ground, we pick it up and, and we put it in the kitchen and we boil it and then we sat, we do all this stuff to it and and the second child comes along and, and it falls to the ground we just we, we pick it up and we wipe it on the diaper and then, and, and then we stick it in their mouth and and the third kid comes along, we wait for the dog to bring us the pacifier, and then we <laughs> stick it in their mouth. We, we change over, over the, the, the process of, of what we do. And, and, and God says, don't dare compare yourself. It's absolutely foolish for you to compare your wife to somebody else's wife. He says, don't do that. It's, don't compare your house to somebody else's house or your car to somebody else's car. Paul said, that. Is foolish. We need to tell our kids, don't, don't worry about other kids. You be you. You be what God created you to be, recognizing their uniqueness. Yeah, you can clap. In Galatians chapter 6, look what he said. Do your work well. Then you'll have something to be proud of, but never compare yourself with others. We need to look at our kids and say, do it Do it your best. Give it your all. Do it your best, and then you can be proud. You don't, you don't have to worry about, uh, don't worry about other kids. A job well done. So comparing. The other thing is conforming. Conforming. You know what conforming is? Conforming is people-pleasing. It's actually, You know what it actually is? It's taking what other people think and it's placing it above what God thinks. That's what people-pleasing is. And we, and we, we do this with our kids. A couple of, a couple of months ago, we, we, we did a series. We, we talked about these two areas, a series that I called Thrones, the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And, and we looked at both of those. And, and, and I, I got to tell you, look, look in Romans with me because when Paul's writing to the church in Rome, he says, don't conform yourselves to the standards of this world. Don't let the world around you tell you what to be. What, 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 is, what is the world's status? What does what the world go by? What's, what does the kingdom of the... What does it mean to conform yourself to the world's standards? It means looking at status. It means making decisions based on sex or salary or position or the things that the the world holds up and says, these are the important things or possessions or appearance or athletics. He says, no, don't do that. Let God transform you inwardly by the changing of how you think. When he transforms you inwardly, he changes how you think. And the way you think determines the way you feel, which determines the way you act. We do the opposite. We try and change our actions, but we don't change our heart and our mind. Because we think just changing our actions. Churches have been guilty of this for years. And he's saying, don't, don't do that. Let me inwardly change the way you think because then your heart's going to change. When, when I look at this conforming area, there's a, there's a couple of places that, 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 that my mind goes. We think as parents, we think peer pressure. Uh, the kids around our kids are going to pressure our kids to think and move and, and, and do and that, that's true. That's part of what conforming is. And, and, and that's an area that we need to teach our kids to value how God made them and how they think and and, and, bring the, and raise them in a way that this becomes the compass of their lives. And, and, that, and that this actually in your parenting takes them through a process where there's a point in their life where you will no longer be their authority, but God will be their authority. And it's our job as parents to get them to the place where that transition happens in their lives. Not only peer pressure, but there's another issue, and that's parents often pressure kids. As moms and dads, we pressure our kids. We we so often want them to do what we did. We were good at soccer, and we took it up to a certain level, and, and we, but we never made it to the traveling team. And so we want our kid to, to be good, and we get involved in their lives in soccer, and we, and we stay engaged, and we're with them all the way through because our goal is to get them to get on a traveling team or to take it further than we took it. And we do this in different areas of our lives. And when we can do it often and not recognize their uniqueness. And we try and steer our kids. We need to accept our kids and their uniqueness completely. How do you you know if you've done that? How, how How do you recognize that you are actually doing that? One way you can recognize that is if you do not insist that they be like you. Some of us parents, that's a tough one, especially when our kids, we we just want them to do this or that. And I got to tell you, uh, as parents, as pastor who loves you, you know what the world does not need? The world does not need another you. God designed every one of us so intentionally different. 1 Corinthians 13, love does not demand its own way. Recognizing our kids' uniqueness. Our, our kids can grow up and, and they, they can grow up and think, I, can't, I just can't be me. The peer pressure wants me to do this. My parents want me to do that. And, 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 I, and I just can't be myself. I grew up, and I've shared so much of this with you guys that you probably know my heritage. But over all the years of my dad raising me, never one time did my dad say to me, I think you should be a pastor. Why don't you consider being a pastor? Never, ever tried to influence me or any one of my brothers and sisters, recognized our uniqueness, wanted us to find the place in life that God has have had for us. It was very intentional about that. The second thing I want to look at this morning is not just accept their uniqueness. That's number one. Number two, affirm their value. We need to affirm our kids' value. You say, James, well, how often? All the time. You can't possibly do too much. There's never too We, You and I hunger. We all hunger for affirmation. And I, and I know there's probably somebody you can think about that says, well, I know they don't. They don't need it. Every one of us hungers affirmation. We, we have a desire to be affirmed. We have a desire, every one of us, a desire to be trusted, a desire to be understood. We have a hunger to be valued. That is inherent in who we are. Our kids have those hungers. We need to feed those hungers with the right things. Inside of every, every one of us, in the back of our mind, there's this scale this scale that tips in, in two different directions. And, and one, one side of it, it's, it's, it's got all the things on it that the world says about, about us that are, that are negative. And on the other side, all the things that we hear about ourselves that are positive. And the world around us is feeding that negative side. And God's family and God's people and God's word and, and, and is, is feeding this positive side. As moms and dads, we need to feed that positive side because in doing that, we are leading our kids in the direction that God would have. them. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. Not even a sparrow can fall to the ground without our heavenly Father knowing it. And you are far more valuable to God than that sparrow. A couple of months ago, I was sitting in our house I heard a bang, just like that. A bird had flown into the window and hit the window and dropped to the ground and and was dead, just like that. God knew all about that sparrow hitting my window, dropping to the ground, and dying. And he cares about that. And Matthew says, you are far more important to God than that. Let me me camp on this value thing. Why are you so valuable? How do you know you are so valuable? you're taking notes, God custom made you. That's why you know your value. God custom made you. He doesn't take us through the process of an assembly line and make us. He, he doesn't have a mold that he, that he stamps out people and then, and then maybe even breaks the mold. and sh- He doesn't do that. Science would tell you all, all, all kinds of things that, that would cause this to happen. But the reality is God custom made you. And the writer of Psalms in Psalm 139 gives us such great clarity in today's century version. Look, look, look at the look at the words that we have here. You made. He's talking to God. You made. Underline that word made. As a matter of fact, circle that word made. You made my whole being. You formed me in my mother's body. We're not talking about chance. We're not talking about happenstance. We're we're talking about God himself doing something intentionally. You formed me in my mother's body. Look at the recognition here in verse 14. I praise you because you made me, listen to this, in an amazing and a wonderful way. The writer of Psalms has incredible clarity about what God himself did in creating you and in creating me. Look what he says. What you have done is wonderful. You can go to the original language and look up that word. Our English language doesn't wrap its arms around it. What you have done is wonderful. And he goes on to say, I know this. Very well. He doesn't say, I hope this is true, or maybe this is true. He says, I know this very well. God custom made you, and Jesus died for you. This is a big deal, people. This is clarity on who your father is. Jesus said, I want you. You're worth dying for and he paid the price for your sins. Look at first Peter. He paid. Circle those two words. He paid. He paid. First first God the Father says, "I made you." And then Jesus says, "I paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ." The sinless, spotless lamb of God laid his life down to pay for your sins and for my sins. God made Jesus' paid. Both show incredible value. And the third thing is God's Spirit lives in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. First Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God. When you become a follower of Christ, his spirit comes to live inside of you, whether you feel it or not. And he wants to take you through a place where where you actually are way more aware of it and you feel it. God's spirit lives inside of you. One of the interesting things about value is is the stuff that we have, our cars. You, you, who, who determines the value of your car? Your car's value is determined by whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. That's the bottom line. Your home, the value of your home, is, it's, it's determined by what somebody is willing to pay for it. In Beverly Hills, if you go shopping for a home in Beverly Hills, one of the interesting things is who, the person who lived in that home may very well determine the value of it. If, if you're going to buy a home and it's worth about $2 million, Beverly Hills we're talking here, we're not talking Glendale, so worth about $2 million, and but Madonna lived in it and, and Brad Pitt lived in it. Here's the reality. We're talking six million. See, the person who lived in it determined the value of it. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. That shows the value. The Trinity, God chose for some reason. He chose to manifest himself in three ways. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He chose to manifest himself in three different ways. But look at this. You were created by the Father. The Son died for you. His Spirit lives in you. The Trinity shows the value that God has in you. Some of us walk through life. And in the back of our mind is our father or mother or somebody else saying, you're an idiot. You're never going to amount to much. Or, Or all kinds of things that have actually over the years shaped our thinking on who we are. Guys, we need to affirm our kids. We need to affirm those around us and in the lives around us. How do we do that? There's a couple of quick different ways that I want to share with you. First, you do it visually. Moms and dads, here's the reality. You know the look that you give your kid that hurts your kid. You know there's a look that you give your kid and all they feel is hurt. And you know the look that you give your kid that affirms them those are two different looks. Moms and dads, we need to be visual with our kids. Look what what God does. Look, if you want to know how to do anything, figure out in Scripture in the New Testament how Jesus did it and do what Jesus did. Look look what he says, your your Father in heaven pays great attention to you. Your Father in heaven is paying attention attention to you, and you're sitting here probably thinking, I don't know if he even knows that I'm here, but the Bible says he pays great attention to you, down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. He even knows how many you left in the sink that morning, and he knows the original color, He knows every detail about his children. Let's let's pay attention to our kids at that level. So there's visual. Then there's physical. Look what Hosea says. Look look, look how God, look look at the detail that he gives. "I, I drew them to me, meaning my children, God says. I drew them to me with affection and love. I picked them up and I held them to my cheek. Look at the detail there. Look at the tenderness of God. I held them to my cheek. Our skin was made to be touched. We were designed so that, so that we would feel it and be sensitive. And I know, I know, some, some of us dads would say, well, I'm, I'm just not the touchy-feely kind of guy. Get over yourself. Hug your kid. Physical. Verbal is the next one. We need to be visual. We need to be physical. We need to be verbal. Look what God says. You are precious to me. I treat you with honor, and I love you. The creator of the universe, talking to his children. And some of us, listen, this is the truth. Some of us, because of the church we went to, or the family we went to, or the environment that we grew up, we have this screwed up idea of who God is and that he's always angry, he's always after us, he always wants to catch us doing something. I open up my Bible, I don't see that guy. He's not even in there. I love you. God says it. Guys, do we do it? Do I do it? Do you do it? What are you doing here? Let listen. Let's, let's let the rubber and the road meet here. What are you doing with your kids? Here it is, moms and dads. Are you raising their value, or are you pushing their value down? I look. I, I'm as guilty as you can be about not doing a lot of this right I grew up with a father who actually grew up with a father my grandfather my father's father was an orphan and was taken in by a lutheran minister and raised by a lutheran minister in germany and my grandfather was treated very poorly as an adopted child and my grandfather raised my father, very poorly, always negative comments, always putting him down. It, w- it was so bad that my father, when he was 15, left home, left New York, went to Florida. And there's a whole long story. They don't have no time to go into it. My father found Jesus. And my father raised the five of us kids. the way he read it in God's Word. He was always uplifting, always encouraging, always the good father. And I can remember comments that my dad made to me, positive comments, Scripture verses that built into us. All five of his kids, all of us are married, serving God, all five of us. You, you may have had a horrible father, but that can change with you and your kids. The heritage that your kids can start right now. You and I, parents, we need, we'll look at three more points next week, but we need to be doing this with our kids. Proverbs 12, 25, a word of encouragement does wonders. It does wonders. And moms and dads, and listen, and all of us, with the people in our lives, if we will apply these principles, we will raise the level. The Holy Spirit will be at work, not just in our lives, but in the lives of all of those around us. It is what he does. Just recently, I heard the CFO of Quicksilver make a statement as he was sharing his testimony. And I, and I like Quicksilver. As a matter of fact, uh, there, there's, a whole, there's a whole line of, of T-shirts and shorts and some other shirts and things that uh, Karen orders for me because during the week, I need to look fairly decent, and it's hot out, so I need to be comfortable. So, um, so I, I, I wear this, and I heard the CFO of Quicksilver say, when he came to Christ, when he accepted Christ as his Savior... This was over 25 or almost 30 years ago, he said. His pastor, when he he came to Christ, his pastor said something to him that he never forgot. Moms and dads, we will say things to our kids that they will never forget. His pastor looked at him. He said, Eric, this is Eric Johnson. He's the CFO of Quicksilver. He said, Eric, you are a diamond in the rough. And God is going to continually polish you. He never forgot that. In his whole walk in following Christ, everything that he was going through, everything that God brought in, everything that God allowed in his life, he recognized that he was a diamond that God was continually polishing. Our kids are diamonds in the rough. We are are diamonds in the rough. Some of us, he's got a hammer and a chisel, and he's knocking big things off. Some of us, he's got most of that off and he's refining it. Some of us he's actually polishing. Some of us think we're in the polishing stage, and God's getting ready to whack off a big yeah. chunk. But you are a diamond in the rough. Your kids. In their uniqueness, are diamonds in the rough, and God Himself created them that way. And we are together in this process of Him chipping, cutting, polishing. Let's stand together this morning, moms and dads. Listen, our children are a gift from God. Those of us in circles of friendship, and and their people in our lives that our friends are a gift. From God. He's at work in their life. He's at work in our lives. Father, we thank you this morning for your love, for your faithfulness, for the persistence in which you pursue us, for the way you choose to bring people into our lives to be a part of what you shape us with. And Lord, this morning, may may we be so sensitive to our kids nephews, there are kids in children's ministry. May, may, May we continually tell our kids how much we love them, how much they matter, what they mean to God. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in doing that. As we, as parents, good stewards of the gifts that you have given to us in our children, Let me just take a moment here with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, let me just simply give you that opportunity real quick. If you recognize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and you believe that he is who he said he is, that he died on the cross and he rose on the third day and ascended into heaven, to be your Savior. If you believe that, you've never accepted him into your heart as your Savior. You can do that right now and just just simply by raising your hand so I know, yes. Just simply raise your hand. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Let me pray with you. Father, Lord, we are excited this morning because your word makes it so clear that when... When one person accepts you as their Savior, all of heaven rejoices. The angels in heaven rejoice, your word says. I'm looking at at least six or seven people who've lifted their hand up, recognizing who you are, accepting you as their Savior. And Father, we as a church family welcome them into our family, and we as a church family uh, j- just embrace them as part of our family. And, and, and the, at the point that they leave this planet, they, they will be with you in heaven because your word says it. And, that, and that even as they go through life, as we go through life together, you will go through life with us and, and recognizing that they are the apple of your eye and they matter so much to you. Thank you for their hands this morning. Thank you for their hearts this morning. Father, I pray, bless us all as we leave here, as we walk out these doors, endeavoring to be better moms and dads, to recognize the uniqueness in the life of our kids, to affirm value in the life of our kids and those around us. Do it, we ask, in your precious and your holy name. And everyone said, amen.